morning. Today I'll be reading from Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Well, when when Jennifer said good morning, I heard one little rumble over here that might have been a good morning. So good morning. morning. Much better. Much better. We do want to welcome you here today, uh, especially those of you that are uh, guests, have not maybe been here before or just just visiting uh, a few times. We appreciate that uh, all of you have chosen to be here. We know you had lots of choices today, could have been anywhere, uh, and you chose to be here, so that means something to us. So if you hear something today that uh, resonates with you, we invite you to share that on social media for those who couldn't be here today. Maybe they can get a taste of of what's uh, going on today. Uh, thanks to Jennifer for reading our scripture. Uh, we're going to go ahead and put those scriptures on the, on the screen. These are three parallel texts about the uh, baptism of Jesus uh, from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So if you want to have your Bibles or your apps ready to jump back and forth, we're going to look at those throughout the morning. This is, as Dusty mentioned, week three of our VBS series. Uh, it is Power Up. Uh, if you play video games, you know that there are Power Ups that make you better video game players. Uh, you, your lives last longer or whatever. Uh, so in life, we, we took this theme and, and uh, applied it to our Christian walk. There are things in the Bible that are power-ups that help us raise our game as we um, navigate through the Christian life. And so a couple summers ago, we thought, you know what, these lessons aren't just appropriate for the kids at VBS, so let's turn them into a sermon series. And so this is our third year of doing a sermon series leading up to Vacation Bible School. So tomorrow marks the two weeks out from the beginning of VBS. We need your prayers. But let me just uh, plug VBS right now. There is a blue insert in your bulletin, and uh, it's double-sided. One side lists four areas that we need help. Um, You can advertise. We have some yard signs out in the foyer and down at the station. If you could put one of those in your yard, grab one of those. Uh, You can register your kids. This year, we're doing online registration for the first time, so we invite you to do that. And also for our volunteers, the backside of the form has, uh, the insert has some information about our volunteers and the needs there. And finally, donate. And uh, I listed this last because we're doing something a little different. We always try to raise money to help our general fund with putting on VBS and uh, the last couple of years, we've done the t-shirt chart with the sticky notes that you took off and, and donated that amount. Well, this year, we're going to make a contest similar to what we have done at VBS for our offering. So during the week of VBS, Kara and I are up on stage, we're leading the songs, and uh, we announce every day what the offering is, and it's a boys versus girls competition. And uh, one of us is the, the target of some uh, honoriness at the end of the week, if the boys win, then Kara gets it. If the girls win, then I get it. Well, we, we decided to transplant that. We're still going to do that for VBS, but we're going to do that for raising funds as well. And it's not going to be Kara and me as the targets. It is going to be Dusty or Jamie. So they do know about this prior to first service. So uh, if you've ever been to first service, right over here, 
uh, is a place that uh, Martha Cook sits, and she always has quite the uh, hair dye contraption going on with her hair. Uh, today, she was red, white, and blue, appropriately, for the fourth this week. And so, uh, she is our inspiration for this boys versus girls contest. So, if the girls win, Dusty is going to dye his beard. And if the boys win, Jamie's going to dye her hair. And uh, so, I am fearful for Dusty, because the girls usually win at VBS week. I'm guessing that that might happen uh, but So the contest starts today, and it's going to go through the end of service on July 21st, which is the day before VBS, two weeks from now. So uh, we do encourage you to donate over and above your normal gifts. We do have to still pay the bills to have the lights on for VBS. So, uh, But if you would donate in one of the two boxes, whether you want it to go to the boys' side or the girls' side, just keep in mind, if you're putting it in the boys, you're trying to get hair dyed for Jamie. If you're putting it in the girls, you're trying to get beard dyed for Dusty. And so the, the dying will happen for one or the other, not dying, but the dying, they're not going to die. Uh, the hair dying, beard dying will happen like Thursday afternoon of VBS week for whichever one loses. And uh, that way, Friday morning at VBS, it'll be that way for all the kids to enjoy. And then it'll still be around that following Sunday uh, when Dusty gets up here to preach or Jamie's ro- roaming the foyer, you'll, you all that might not. Some of you might not be around for VBS week. That way you get to enjoy as well. So going to have a little fun with that. So we look forward to that. Well, let's jump into our uh, topic today. Jesus's baptism. The power up is that God sent Jesus to save us. And this uh, lesson on Jesus is usually at the end of the week of VBS. We kind of build our way up and crescendo to the lesson on Jesus, and, and that's kind of the final exclamation point for the week. And this, this year, we're doing it a little bit differently. Uh, it is at the peak, hump day, you might call it, on Wednesday. So this is uh, sermon number three. The last two have pointed forward to Jesus. The last two will point backwards to Jesus. Um, we had the story of Abram that Dusty preached a couple weeks ago, and Abram Uh, was promised a son, and that pointed forward to the promised son for all of us. Uh, Last week, Jenny spoke about Josiah and God's word, and that makes us think forward to the word who became flesh in the person of Jesus. Uh, Dusty's next week's going to talk about uh, the church starting on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit arrived, and that's going to point backward to Jesus and what he had just done for the church. And then the final week, right before VBS actually starts, will be the fruit of the Spirit and how the church needs to live now that Jesus has done what he has done. So uh, be looking up those scriptures, and uh, let me tell you a little bit about my experience with video games. I had somebody come up to me and shake my hand and say that Tetris was their favorite. I'd forgotten about that one. It is probably the one I play most, actually, these days. Uh, When we go on vacation down to Kara's parents, they usually... Uh, We usually fire up their Wii and play Tetris against each other. But the ones I had thought of, uh, first of all, was uh, Pac-Man. We had an Atari when I was a kid, and uh, I think we bought it used. Um, And Pac-Man was one of the games, and I remember figuring out, or somebody told me the the special thing, the path you could follow to make the ghost get stuck in the corner or in the tunnel, okay? I couldn't even find a video of that now on Google, so that just kind of tells you how long ago we're talking. Um... I started here as an intern in 1995, and during that summer, Kara and I, we were getting married in September, but in July, I lived with the Beckhams for that month, and uh, Kyle was in grade school, Tanner was two or three, 
And uh, so Tanner and I didn't really play video games much, but Kyle and I did. We spent a lot of evenings playing Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Um, to the point that I remember specifically more than once, Jamie uh, coming up, rolling her eyes in disgust and saying, you boys and your video games. So I understand that a little bit more now. I think all three of my boys are in the room. They're all three right here, and, and they've definitely had their share of video games. And, and uh, uh, the other game that I remember playing a lot was Contra. That was kind of the Call of Duty or Fortnite of the day. And uh, it was a long time ago. But I remember in high school, my buddy and I, we'd go home after football games and we'd watch, go to his house and we'd watch the, the late news, watch the football highlights of our game and all the other games around the area. And then we'd play Contra for a while before I had to, had to head home. And that game had uh, so much, uh, I remembered it and enjoyed it so much that last September when I was, I had hernia surgery, I was down for a week or two, I, I found a Contra emulator online. And uh, Kenny Brennan and I had talked about, uh, about the game Contra not long before that. And I thought, I'm going to go look for that. And, and the cool thing was with the emulator, you could save anytime you wanted to. So I passed a level and uh, save. Oh, I messed up. I'm going to go back to that save and start again. And so I built up lots and lots more lives than I used to be able to. So anyway, those were my experiences with video games. You didn't ask, but I gave it to you for free. Um, so the power-up connection with all of those video games, there was something, whether it was the power pellet or in Mario Brothers, it's the mushroom. Uh, some of you would have to educate, I, I say you, probably some of you would have to educate me for Minecraft and Fortnite and Call of Duty, what some of those things are, uh, the, the power-ups in those games, but the things that raise your game to make you a better gamer as you're playing that game. And that's, that's where we're going with power-up for VBS. The things in the Bible, the truths that we can pull out to make our lives better because of what God is doing in them to raise our game. So let's start with the story. If you're keeping notes, there's a, just a blank spot on the back of the bulletin. Uh, no blanks to fill in, but you can, you can uh, take notes back there. Number one point is the story. So let's just kind of get into the story of John the Baptist and Jesus's baptism. Uh, if you remember, John the Baptist was uh, six months older than Jesus when his mom was pregnant. His mom was Elizabeth. When she was pregnant, she was about six months pregnant, Luke 1 tells us, and Mary shows up to announce that she is pregnant with God's son, and the text says that John the Baptist, in his mother's womb, leaped inside of her at the news that, that Mary was pregnant with God's son, because already then he knew who this was going to be, and who he was going to be for the forerunner of. Uh, his parents were Elizabeth and Zechariah. Any, uh, any Pharisees game played at CIY this week? Ian, no? Well, we played it at camp a lot. So if you've ever played Pharisees, there is a Zachariah card. This is that Zachariah. You know, Zachariah can mute people, right? Uh, he, that card gets played and he mutes people. It's because the Zachariah in the Bible didn't believe that his old wife could get pregnant and have a baby. And so when he didn't trust God, God uh, struck him with muteness. He couldn't talk for the rest of the pregnancy. And so that's why the Pharisee called his, the card is called Zachariah. Anyway, that also is free. Uh, detail for you today. So Matthew chapter 3, uh, Jennifer read starting in verse 13. Let's back up to verse 1 in Matthew 3 and just talk about a few details here. I'm not going to actually read it. You can do that. But uh, verse 1, it starts with the phrase, in those days. This is uh, about 28 years after we hear about Jesus as a baby, a uh, little toddler, however old he was uh, when we last see him. And uh, Luke tells us that at this point, that Jesus is about 30 years old. And so 
there have been about 400 years of silence since the Old Testament prophets had spoken. And so the Jewish people were starving for this Messiah that they had been promised in the Old Testament. They, I mean, if you can imagine 400 years of, of that being passed on from family to family to family, and, and they're looking everywhere, where is this Messiah? And so John the Baptist hits the scene, and we're gonna find here in a little bit that they think it's him. But his message is a message of repentance, uh, in Luke chapter three, if you wanna flip over to that in verse eight, when he's talking about repentance, verse eight, he says, produce fruit and repent. And then in verses 10 through 14, he has these different groups that come to him and, and they're, they're convicted. And so the crowd comes and says, well, what about this? And he says, well, this is what you should do. And the tax collectors come and say, what about this? Well, this is how you should repent and produce fruit. And then the, uh, the soldiers come and say the same thing. Well, this is how you should treat people and how you should live. So basically his message is what Blomberg says, the return to moral living in preparation for God's coming in Jesus. So he was the forerunner, the herald to tell everybody else that Jesus is coming. That's what verse three talks about. Uh, Verse three of Matthew three is a prophecy from the Old Testament from Isaiah chapter 40. And then in Mark's gospel, it talks about, uh, uses a verse from Malachi 3.1. So these are Old Testament scriptures that Matthew and, and Mark use in their text. And the people of that day, the Jewish listeners, oh, their ears would have perked up. Oh, this is the Messiah that they were talking about. Oh, wait, I remember something about somebody that's kind of like Elijah that might be coming to announce that the Messiah is coming. Maybe that's this guy. And they even went further than that, as we'll find out. But they would have recognized all these words from the Old Testament. He wore, uh, verse four tells us he wore camel's hair. That was his clothing, leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and honey. Verses five and six talk about how the Jews were being baptized in the Jordan River. Uh, John wanted them to focus. The focus was no longer from the Old Testament that they were a part of the nation of Israel. It wasn't about their Jewishness anymore. Now it's about their repentance and their, their obedience to God. And that was his message So the Jordan River was a very, uh, definitely not a clear river, let's put it that way. Uh, A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of joining Mark and Casey Lewis and their family and some others who were there. We uh, went to their house. Joe, their oldest son, wanted to be baptized in their own pond. And uh, this was not a uh, completely clear pond. We got in, and I was coming down off the bank and was kind of bracing myself, and I think my right leg went about to here down in the mud, And so I finally got in position and Mark did the same and Joe came down and he was the brave one because he went all the way under that muddy water to be baptized. And it was very memorable for him and uh, that muddy water is what I thought of when I was studying for this and thinking about the Jordan River and the baptizing that John the Baptist was doing. Verses seven through 10, uh, the Jewish, some of the Jewish religious leaders showed up. Their hearts were not in the right place and so he calls them out. You can read about that. Verses 11 through 12 talk about John's attitude compared to to, uh, his relationship with Jesus. He knew that he was not the one. In uh, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter three, verse 15, the crowds were wondering if John was the Messiah. I bet they were doing more than just wondering. I think they were trying to put him in the right position to be that Messiah that they had been promised so long ago. And he said, nope, that's not me. I'm just here to point to him. He says in Matthew, he says, I am not fit to even carry his sandals. And, you know, how, raise your hand if you're wearing sandals today. I am not, okay? Uh, 
you walked on pavement or carpet the entire way to get here, right? That's not the case back in those days. They walked on dirt streets with rain and mud puddles and, and uh, sweaty feet attracting that dust, and their feet were terrible. They had servants who were at the door of the houses to help clean people's feet when they came in. And John says, I'm not even fit to carry his sandals. Mark and Luke use the phrase, I'm not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. And he also talked about his baptism of repentance compared to what's going to come when the Messiah gets here and he baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so John's attitude we can see in John chapter three, verse 30. He says, he must become greater, I must become less. Very appropriate attitude. So that brings us to the baptism of Jesus and the, just the different details. And so I wanna reread that, but I'm not gonna read exactly what Jennifer read. I'm gonna read uh, synoptics, which is a, a combining of the Matthew, Mark, and Luke text. And, and so you can follow along. I'm gonna start in Matthew and then we'll jump over to Luke and then I'll insert some other comments or some other text that's uh, from some of the other parallel accounts. So in Matthew 3.13, it says, then Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And then we jump over to Luke chapter three, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he was praying. And at that very moment, heaven was torn opened And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven came, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So the story starts out, John's baptizing people at the river and Jesus jumps in line. And Jesus gets up and says, hey, will you baptize me? And John says, wait a minute, this is not right. It should be flipped around the other way. He said, I shouldn't be up here baptizing you. It should be you up there and me down here with you baptizing me. And Jesus says, trust me, just for now, it's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, That that phrase, fulfill all righteousness, uh, that was what John was trying to do at his level, was bring people to obedience to God. And so Jesus uses the phrase us, it's proper for us to do this. They were on the same team. He wanted people to know that. This fulfill all righteousness in the NIV uh, is a different way in a couple other translations. Um, In the Christian English version, contemporary English version, it's for us to do all that God wants us to do. And in the New New International Reader's version, it's for us to do God's holy plan. So that kind of gives you a little bit of idea what that phrase fulfill all righteousness means. Righteousness is all about right living, John and Jesus came to help people see the need to live correctly, to live rightly, to obey God. And that's what they were trying to accomplish. And then we see the response that happens as these three signs from heaven show up. Everybody around would have recognized what's going on because heaven was, Mark says, torn open. That's the first sign. The second sign is that the spirit comes down like a dove. We've Heard stories like that from other places in the New Testament. But Luke adds, in bodily form, so it actually looked like a dove coming down and landing on Jesus. And then the third sign is God's voice from heaven calling him my son whom I love. And so in that same, uh, in that, that text of what God says from heaven, that booming voice 
that we you know, imagine as James Earl Jones or whoever, uh, whatever that voice sounds like. He uses some other texts from the Old Testament, prophecies from the Old Testament, from Psalm 2. That is a text that uh, points people to the Messianic king who is coming. And then Isaiah 42, 1 points them to the suffering servant. So in that one, uh, one or two sentences that God says, he's basically telling the world, this is my son, this is God's son. He is the coming Messiah that you've been waiting for. John is not, but he is. And finally, uh, he is going to be the suffering servant that Isaiah talked about. And so the Jews of that day would have recognized all of this language and they were so excited because they were starved. The Romans were occupying their area and they wanted somebody to come in and kick the Romans out. Now, later in the story, we find out he wasn't the Messiah they were hoping for and that's why they killed him. But that's the story of Jesus's baptism. Those are the details. The power up is that God sent Jesus to save us. It's all about salvation. And so being in kids ministry as long as I have, uh, Marcy commented when she walked in and saw the slideshow for today, she said, well, it's obviously Paul's preaching today. So uh, we have to throw in some children's ministry stuff here. So here's a video that we use. Uh, it's a series called What's in the Bible from uh, uh, Phil Vischer. He's actually the creator of VeggieTales. You might recognize his voice if you've ever seen those videos. But here's uh, What's in the Bible about Salvation. New words! We've got new words! Sunday school lady, what's the word? All right, Magic Flannel Graph, how about a drum roll? Our first new word is... Salvation! I bet you've heard this word before, but do you really know what it means, Pastor Paul? Salvation is the act of saving or rescuing from harm or danger. That's right. Let's show a magic flannel graph. Say you and your brother are out at sea in a little boat. Suddenly your boat springs a leak and you start to sink. You need help. You need saving. You need rescuing. You're in danger. Then you hear something. It's, it's a helicopter. You wave your arms and they see you. You're going to be saved. You're going to be rescued. That helicopter is your salvation. It will save you from sinking in the sea. Nice alliteration. Salvation to be saved or rescued from danger. Great! So God's rescue plan could also be called a plan of salvation. All right, so now you know what kids' church is like. So why was Jesus baptized? You ever thought about that? He wasn't a sinner. He didn't need to repent. We talk about this in our Decision for Christ class when kids are studying about baptism and salvation. And uh, in that class, we talk about how Jesus, maybe he was being an example for us of how to obey God. And so in that, that part of the class, I talk about, you know, I'm, I'm definitely no expert cookie maker. Um, but we talk about if, if somebody were to give me a recipe and all the ingredients to make a batch of cookies from scratch, not the stuff that you buy and just pop on a pan, um, you would probably not just want to turn me loose. You would probably want somebody that really knows how to make cookies to show me while I can watch, and then I do it and they can watch to make sure I'm doing it correctly, if you want cookies that actually taste good, okay? So I need an example to show me how to make these cookies. Well, Jesus, what we talk about is Jesus is our example to follow Jesus, but it's so much more than that. And that gets us to point number two. This is what Tim Keller calls the substitute. Jesus was the substitute for us. 
He came to take our place. And so as Tim Keller is talking about this and this idea of John saying, I shouldn't be down here or up here and you down there. I should be down here and, and you up here. And, and he imagines that Jesus says something like this. I'm here to be baptized in your place, to live in your place, to die in your place so that you can stand in my place. I'm not taking, or I am taking the curse so you can take the blessing. It's not live righteous and give it to your God like every other religion. Instead, it's Jesus is living this righteous life and giving it to us since we can't. So by being baptized, Jesus is authenticating and endorsing and affirming and identifying with what John the Baptist is trying to do with his preaching and his baptizing. He's also identifying and and actually taking our place as sinners, walking in our shoes as sinners. And that phrase, fulfill all righteousness, Mark Moore mentions five things real quick that that, uh, that phrase means. Number one, he's demonstrating submission to God's authority. Romans 5.19 talks about obedience. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Number two, fulfill all righteousness means that Jesus was revealed as the son of God at his baptism. We hear that from God's words. This is my son. Number three, it's the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. We've heard very little about Jesus in the gospels from the time he's a toddler, except for 12-year-old being left at the temple, and then it jumps to his ministry. And so this is basically the, the announcing of his ministry. Number four, Jesus gives us the example to follow, which we've talked about. Romans 6, 4 talks about that. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So just as Jesus is buried under the ground and then raised to new life, the baptism, uh, we follow that example by being buried under the water and rising to new life. And then number five, Jesus is joining John in this creation of a new community of God's people. It's not about their Jewishness anymore. It's about their living for God and their, their belief in God. So before we jump to point three, I've got one more short video from what's in the Bible for us to watch. Oh, that's a good question. If we've all sinned and sin deserves death, why haven't we all gotten what we deserve? Because God loves us. He launched his rescue plan to save as many as possible from the death we deserve. The people of Egypt who were holding the Israelites as slaves. The Israelites who told God his rescue plan was wrong. The people of Canaan who tried to stop God from giving the Israelites that land. They were all standing in the way of God's rescue plan. Thinking you can stop God's rescue plan is a little bit like thinking you can stop a freight train by standing in front of it. It's not very smart, and you're probably going to get hurt. So, do you have a song for that? Uh, well, let's see. Hmm. That's a tricky one. Okay, how about this? You can't stop a train by standing in the track. You can't stop an avalanche by yelling, Hey, turn back! And standing in the way of what God is gonna do will be really, 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 really not so good for you. Can I help out, Captain Pete? <laughs> well... There's your jingle that you'll be humming for the rest of the day. Sorry about that. So this rescue plan, that's what we want to finish with here. 
So we, we had the story and the substitute, and now we're talking about the significance of this story and the substitute that he was. Uh, Dusty's sermon back on Easter, he talked about this rescue plan. And Galatians chapter 1, verse 4 says, Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God the Father. I've got an image here of a, a life preserver ring, or this is my son Luke's uh, when he was a lifeguard at the pool. Not sure that he's supposed to still have this, but uh, he had it signed by a bunch of people on the back. And so the lifeguards would, would have this strapped to their shoulder in hopes that they would never have to use it. But the idea was if somebody was in the water drowning, that they would be able to throw that out to them and they could latch on to be rescued. But they were hoping never to use it, whereas Jesus came specifically to be the rescuer. And so we think about this, uh, this story of the entire Bible, basically, is all about this rescue plan. Jenny said last week when she was talking about the Bible, it's a story of an almighty God who pursues a broken, worthless, unworthy human race that he loves so deeply and so completely that is overwhelming and all-encompassing. And that, uh, this, this whole idea of the rescue plan reminded me of one more resource that we use back in children's ministry, it's this book called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And the whole Bible, it's picking out specific stories from the Bible, from the Old Testament, and the New Testament, and it's all about the rescue plan. So I'm gonna read to you. There's some images from this book up on the screen. It's called Heaven Breaks Through. About the same time Jesus was born, another baby was born. His name was John, and God had a special job for him. John was going to get everyone ready for Jesus. The day Jesus was born, his dad knew God's promise to Abraham was coming true. God was sending the rescuer. And he was so happy, he sang a song. Because God loves us with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love, heaven is breaking through. He is sending us a light from heaven to shine on us like the sun, to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So John grew up, and well, to tell you the truth, he was a bit unusual. He lived in the desert. He wore itchy, scratchy outfits made of camel hair. He had a big, big, bushy beard and long, long, scraggly hair. And here is the oddest thing of all. He only ate locusts, which is short for big, creepy, crunchy grasshoppers, which he dipped in honey, probably to disguise the taste. But God sent John to tell people something important. Stop running away from God and run to him instead, John said. You need to be rescued. I have good news. The rescuer is coming. Make your hearts ready for him. Yes, get ready because your king is coming back for you. Great crowds listened to John. They were sorry they had sinned. They wanted to stop running away from God. They wanted to be rescued. So John baptized them, which means he plunged them in and out of the water. It showed that they wanted to follow God and begin a new life. One day, John was baptizing people in the Jordan River, as usual, when he looked up and he saw a man walking down to the water's edge. God spoke quietly to John, this is the one. John's heart leapt again. This was that moment he'd been waiting for all of his life. Look, John said, as Jesus came down into the water, but his voice only came out as a whisper. He couldn't make it any louder. It was all he could do to even speak. The Lamb of God. God's best lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Will you baptize me too? Jesus asked. Who am I, John asked, to baptize you? That's what God wants me to do, Jesus said. So John baptized Jesus. Suddenly it was as if someone had drawn back the curtains in a dark room 
as if heaven itself had been opened, because a beautiful light broke through the clouds and shone down onto Jesus, bathing him in gold. Beads of water glittered and sparkled like tiny diamonds in his hair. A white dove flew down and gently rested on Jesus, and a voice came down from heaven. It was clear and strong and loud so everyone could hear, this is my own son and I love him. I am very pleased with him, God said. Listen to him. Heaven had broke through. The great rescue had begun. So we have the story of Jesus's baptism, that he is the substitute for us and the significance is that it's a rescue plan for him to save us from our sins. And the significance is also about how we respond to that. So how do we respond? For some in the room, maybe you've never been baptized. The waters are warmed up. Baptistry heater was working this morning. So if that's you that have never followed Jesus' example, you've never submitted to God's authority in baptism, you've never felt the the words from God, you are my son or my daughter whom I love, with you I am well pleased for making this decision. Maybe that's you. We invite you to come. But for all of us, we need to be changed. We need repentance every day. We need to not just know about God, we need to actually know him. We need to change our mind. Repentance also means changing our actions, which is all about what Luke 3, 8 says when John said, produce fruit. A couple weeks ago, Dusty was uh, talking the very first week of the VBS sermon series. He, He talked about his time with Ryan Phillips and Janice Schlichting and how they were finishing their lives well. And uh, Janice made the comment that there was that one person in her life who produced fruit, lived out her faith in front of Janice so that Janice could know Jesus. And that was Judy Swickard. And so then Dusty asked the question, how do I live this day, today, July 7th, 2019, how do I live this day so that I can live like that on my last day? And the answer is, that we know and we bless. That's our focus around here. Abram's lesson on that day that Dusty was speaking, it was all about that God wants you to know him. We need to take, take uh, the word of Josiah's lesson from last week. We need to know God through his word. From today, we need to know Jesus, the savior substitute who came to rescue us. From next week's lesson, we need to know that Holy Spirit that's working in our lives daily. And then we take all of that and we don't just sit on it. We go out and we bless others. We need to produce fruit, which is the fruit of the spirit lesson because we need to be that one to somebody else. There are people that you know that I have no idea who they are in the world. And same thing for for me in in comparison to you. And, And we talk about this with the kids all the time. They're at school with kids who don't know Jesus. I'm not gonna know those kids probably, but you know them really well. You've built that relationship with them. And you need to be that one person for them to tell them about Jesus. So those are our challenges today. The story, the substitute, and the significance for us. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for our time to open up the word and to take a story that's only five verses long of Jesus' baptism. Not even sure why it happened when we first look at it because he wasn't a sinner who needed repentance there's so much here that reminds us that we need to know you and then go bless others by sharing you with people and being that one to them. Thank you for Jesus and all he's done for us. We look forward to just 
all the things that we get to be a part of in life because we have Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.